interesting times what we're watching these days, right? How many of you um, follow <laughs> follow the news? I won't even get into too much controversy. <laughs> A little bit. Isn't it interesting what President Trump has been doing? I can't say anything more or less. I just got to say it's interesting, right? So I, fo <laughs> I follow, um, like, news, uh, like, I get news alerts, right? And I get from, like, secular, like, regular news broadcasting people, right? And then I get news alerts from, like, Christian networks. So, like, uh, CBN, right? Um, so it's very, it's a very one-sided, one-standard alert that you get, right? So, like, Trump destroys the democratic view. Trump is destroying our nation. Trump, right? And then, like, the other one is, like, our freedom is at hand, <laughs> right? Christians are long gone in the United States. It's, like, it's very opposite extreme. Um, but it's very interesting to be a believer in this time. Like, my team went for, you know, a hangout, and it was, like, every time they pick a group hangout, I'm, like, ugh. Do I want to be there, you know? Am I going to be, am I going to bump into one of you guys? And they're like, oh, this is my leader at church. And then I'm like, I wasn't doing anything, I swear, right? Um, so it's, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you stand your ground and not be that person that nobody wants to talk to? Or how do you stand your ground and not feel like making Jesus uncomfortable, right? No? Anybody follow me? Yeah? Anyway, it was interesting. But anyways... So there's a great misconception for us believers that we walk into, right? So we're like here, right? This is like our non-believer section, right? We're in the dark. We don't know about Jesus or Jesus hasn't been activated. Maybe we do know, but we don't really like serve him, right? Oh, look, it's even brighter on that side. So like I'm in the shadows. And then I meet Jesus and I step over into like the light, right? Because it says that uh, when I accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior, I have what? I have eternal life, I have forgiveness of sins, I have um, the opportunity to, to change things around, right? Like, just like this ridiculous light is beaming in my face, that's kind of like what happens to us. This light just beams over you, right? And it's the light of Christ, no? Yes? Anybody? But the concept is the same, right? And the problem is that when we accept Christ in our hearts, we feel like, maybe not most of us, some of us, maybe just Liz, we feel like there's a bubble that's activated. And this bubble protects us from all wrongdoings of the world. So when trouble happens, we're like, but I serve Jesus. But I believe in Jesus. But, like, what happened, Jesus? Like, where are you at? And the bubble, per se, is not to, not to protect you from, from life. Let's put it that way. The bubble is actually to activate you into life. Right? It's often thought of like, oh, well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to endure issues. I shouldn't have to endure troubles. I shouldn't have to endure hardships, right? Or I'm, I'm a Christian and, uh, you know, it's not fair that I go through these things. How many of you have ever said that? God, it's just not fair. I've said it a few times. God, it's just not fair. And how many of you know that God is not a fair God? He's a just God. What does that mean? Ooh, that's a good answer. He does everything perfect. Do you guys remember that story in the Bible of the two women that are fighting over the baby? King Solomon has a solution. What's a, these two women, bless you, these two women are coming and they're fighting over this child, right? He's mine, he's mine, he's mine. And then what? 
Yeah, he, he gives a, a suggestion. He says, let's cut the baby in half. That seems pretty fair. Come on. Let's, let's think about this. One baby, two moms claiming the baby. It is fair to divide this child in half. Well, that's not, that's not the question. The question is, who gets the baby? And the answer is, divide it in half. That's what King Solomon did. He said, let's just give half of the baby to one mom and half of the baby to another. Am I exaggerating? Anybody read the story? Right? Okay. What happens, though? Well, one of the moms does what? She's like, no, let's not, let's not cut this baby. Let's, that's a bad idea. King, wise, wise King Solomon, with all your splendor and wisdom, who thinks of that? So what happens? Yeah, he's like, clearly this woman is out for the best interest of this child, right? So he's just like, all right, well, if you're going to stand up for the baby, you have to be the right mom. Like, the other lady was like, I'm fair, I'm fine, with, I want the left side. I, want, I like the left side, it's more symmetrical, it's more, it's more made out. Give me the left, right? And King Solomon's like, yeah, okay, we're going to give it to the lady that's not wanting to cut this human being in half because he's not a paper toy, right? It's not fairness, it's just, right? A lot of times we have things that are just not fair, that they happen to us and it's just not fair, right? And that's one of the biggest things. Life isn't fair. Why do things happen? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? A lot of people ask you that. Oh, you believe in Jesus? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? But the truth is that life isn't about fairness. Life is about, you know, exposing God's justice, right? Exposing the light, exposing what God has, the ability to change your situation from, from bad to good. Because the, the justness of God comes in to intervene. The righteousness of God comes intervene. Because if we depended on fairness, then none of us should be sitting here today. Because it's not fair that Jesus had to die on the cross for a sin that you and I committed and he didn't. Right? It's not fair that, that you and I crucify him week after week, not literally, but figuratively, when we fail him and, and there's and there's access to the throne by favor and grace by the blood that's been spilled by Jesus we can access the presence of God nothing shames us out of him that's not fair that's just the righteousness and the justice of God that intervenes in our lives and says it's okay they're more important to me than a mistake that's been in their past do you guys follow me so when we begin to have these internal debates right these like fights with like Elizabeth versus Liz, right? And I'm talking about like me versus me, <laughs> not like me and her, like me versus me. Anybody ever have like that battle with yourself and then you're like self and then you're like, hmm, no? Yeah? All the time, right? And you begin to allow the, the voice of the enemy to be louder, to speak about fairness louder than what's going on in your situation. And most of the time these things lead to, um, it leads to factors that aren't even there. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. It's so hard. The struggle is real, right? You're hashtagging. But the point is that most of the time we have a situation we're confronted with something, and if we don't know how to overcome or if we don't know the why that's happening, we sit there and things begin to, to overpower us. You fall into sadness. Your sadness turns into anxiety. Your anxiety turns into depression. Your depression turns into you no longer even smile at people. And before you know it, you just stop coming to church altogether. It's like, 
what happened? What happened? And a lot of the times we get consumed in the, in the why me, God, right? Why me, God? Why did it happen to me, God? Why did it happen to my mom? Why did it happen to my dad? Why? The why, the why, the why, the why. And we're, we're so focused on the current situation that we don't see the greatness around us. We don't see the, the God that we serve or the potential opportunity to, to glorify the God that we serve. The bigger the problem, the bigger the glory, right? Because the bigger the God that needs to intervene. It's just hard to say it that way. It's hard to be at the bottom. It's hard to be, uh, it's actually great to be in church on a Friday, have an awesome worship service because we have a great band and actually our people can sing. So we're like, yeah, like, you know, these people are real musicians and real singers and you leave here all pumped and, you, and you're so hyped after worship. You got to say hi to every single friend you know here, even though you're going to see them in five minutes, right? Uh, even though you saw them before the service started. Uh, and you're just all excited, and then you leave, and then it's not even the end of Friday night. It's like Friday 11.59, and, like, your phone goes off with, like, <laughs> no, not Instagram. <laughs> like, a, like an argument with a parent or, I don't know, the worst thing that can happen. Like, just, well, maybe not the worst thing, just any little thing that can discourage you from the perfect Friday night that it started out to be. I'm pumped for the weekend. No, that's not tragic. Okay, if you're crying over your phone, we need a little more deliverance. I'm talking about like something really hard, like 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 a life happens, right? It's happened before. You're gonna you're gonna run, take the bus. The bus leaves you. You're like, it's okay. Jesus loves me. Then you wait for the next bus, and it shows up three hours later. And then the three hours later, you're getting home at midnight. And then your mom's like, why are you getting home at this time? Church ended three hours ago. Mom, but I missed the bus. I'm tired of you lying to me. I'm and it's just like, what happened? <laughs> I just missed the bus, right? And your mom's like, mm, that's what you say every Friday. And you're like, no, but I'm serious. I just missed. And so it's just like the, the one thing that started off right is now like spiraling down. And you almost forget that fire that you had or that excitement that you had while being here and being in a community of worship. Do you guys follow me? I'm not blaming your parents. Please don't take that as the message for tonight, okay? <laughs> your parents are not the reason everybody has problems. But... Most of us go through something, and, and I hear a lot of young people say, I'm depressed, I'm hurting, I'm cutting myself, I'm hurting myself, um, I'm, I'm suffering from anxiety. I mean, hard, hard stuff, like deep stuff. Um, it's actually more common now, I feel, than when I was a kid or a teen, maybe not so much a kid. Because when I was a kid, we were real kids. I feel like you kids know a lot more than what parents know these days. But it's almost common to walk around with problems than to walk around happy in life. It's like the sadder the story and the bigger the pity party, the more popular you become. It's just kind of weird. Like, it's, it's the opposite effect. Why do you smile so much? Somebody actually asked me that one time. Why are you so happy? Oh, I didn't realize I was, like, extra happy. Like, was I, am I too happy? And they're like, gosh, you're just, you're always so happy here. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop smiling when I see you. And then it's like, an, I have this thing. I, I like to talk. This isn't even about, like, being a Christian. This is just Liz talks too much, okay? My mother said that when I was little, if you covered my mouth, I'd find a way to talk through my elbows. She's like, you just talk a lot. And so I've carried that in my personality in my 30s, like, I like to talk. So I'll be going somewhere, and I'm like, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hi, good morning, good morning. Hi, Gary. Like, I, I learned the security guys, their names. 
Uh, and then I get upstairs, and I'm like, good morning, Irene. Good morning. And I say hi to everybody. Good morning, so-and-so. Good morning, good morning. And then, so there's this lady that works for uh, marketing. <laughs> I just say good morning to her every, every day because she's right in front of the, the way to get coffee. So I'm like, good morning. I don't know her name. So that's why I just say good morning. Like, I can't be like, good morning, Emmy, because I don't know who she is. But I'm just like, good morning, good morning. So one day I bumped into her. We were walking to the bathroom together, and I'm like, good morning. And I held the door for her. She's like, why are you so happy? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> she's depressed. I don't know. But I was like, I, it's Friday? She's like, no, you're always happy. I was like, sorry. I was like, do you want to hold the door for me? Like, I can let it go. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what to, I didn't know what to say. I didn't, like, what do you, why are you mad that I'm happy? Like, it was just weird. You're always happy. And I'm like, okay. So the next time I saw her later that day, I was like, <laughs> and I just, kept, and I walked the other way. And she's like, you're not going to say good afternoon to me? I was like, honestly, I'm afraid to say anything to you because you're just so angry. And then one day we bumped into each other at, at the getting coffee in the like little cafeteria the thing that we have. And now it's awkward, right? Because now I don't say hi to her because I pissed her off because I say hi to her every day. So now I intentionally don't say hi to her. But that day it was just me and her, no one else in the room. I'm like, oh, Michelle, I got to say something. <laughs> so I was like, good morning. She's like, so I just went around her, and I poured my little one cup of coffee that I'm allowed in the day. And then I was, it was, it was right before Memorial Day weekend. I'm like, are you doing anything fun for Memorial Day? She's like, actually, it's my son's birthday weekend. I was like, mine too. And she's like, so I said, no, really, when was he born? She's like, May 30th. I'm like, my son was born May 30th, 4.28 in the morning. She's like, 4.50 in the morning. I was like, how cool. And now she's happy. Now she's like, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, good morning. And I'm like, hmm, that only took me a year. Good morning. <laughs> How's, I haven't learned her son's name. I better learn it before she gets mad at me again. But like I saw her, now we have something to talk about, right? Like how was his birthday weekend and what did he do? And she's like, he didn't want to do anything. He doesn't like celebrating. And I was like, oh, my husband's like that. She's like, my husband too. And I'm like, and I love celebrating anything. She's like, me too. It gets me so mad. And so now we have this thing to conversate about. So when I smile at her and say good morning, she's not so mad at me. But I was like, I didn't realize saying good morning was a problem. But, you know, she just, she lives in this bubble of protection of like, don't come near whatever I'm going through. You know, and, and, it, and, and the good morning, like my son, and our sons are born on the same day, has slowly led to like her sharing little bits. Not full details. I don't know her life story. I'm not like her therapist. But she vents with me every so often and she lets things out. And I'm like, oh, you just have things that are going on and you're being protective. So somebody that's smiling across your way, right, is actually somebody that's bothering you because they're just not going, I'm not moping. It doesn't mean I don't have issues. I've got plenty of issues. Let's talk about not sleeping. <laughs> That's a big issue. But I'm sh but like she's, she's going through things. She's living things in her, in her atmosphere right now that anybody with a smile is just like a, like I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to hit you. Like if you're going to come at me with something, I'm ready to fight back. And a lot of the times as believers, I feel like we're always on defense, right? We're always on like this, I'm ready to attack, I'm ready to go. Or it's easier to just give in. Oh, I'm so depressed. Oh, I'm so hurting. Oh, I'm so this. And we forget that God has called us to greatness or God has called us to never live a part of that to overcome that. See, the Bible says that when we accepted Jesus into our hearts, we were sealed. Say sealed. Say stamped. Say signed, sealed, delivered. I mean, everything about you has been nailed with, with, with the, the identity of Christ. Everything about you. Has anybody ever been to a farm? You ever seen the engraving of animals? I don't know if they still do it, but they used to, the branding of animals. 
You never seen? It's like they take like a, well, it's like a little design, and then they put it in heat or like fire, and then they press it against the animal, and the animal will forever have a scar of, no? You got to brand them, right? And the same concept, the Holy Spirit brands you when you, when you accept Christ into your heart. Actually, it doesn't hurt. It's the best experience you'll ever have when you have Jesus in your heart. Go to 2 Corinthians. Let's read the Bible a little bit because I'm like talking too much. Chapter 1. We're going to play around with verses, okay? We're not going to follow order. We're just going to play around. Chapter 1, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Where are you going? 1, 3. Thank you. I'm reading out of the NIV. Um, I don't know what you have, but just follow me. Verse 3. Praise to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, say compassion, and the Father of comfort, say comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That sounds like a tongue twister. Let's say it again. Praise be to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, and the, and the God of all who comforts us in all of our, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received. This is like Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers, and where's the pack of pickled peppers that Peter Piper picked? It's the same concept, okay? So God the Father, Jesus Christ, all three mighty in one, has come over. He is the, the, the what? The comfort and the? And he has compassion. The one that gives compassion, the one that gives comfort. You need compassion when you need a, a hand of mercy. You need comfort when you're in a point of sorrow, right? The God that can provide all, all for you in the midst of trouble, he's there for you. But he's not there for you to rub your back and say, poor Liz, I know what you're going through. You can cry on my shoulders. He's there to make you feel better and then say, go. Because she's going through the same thing. So provide the comfort and provide the compassion that you receive to get out of there. Right? So this God, let's keep reading. Verse 5. For just as sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So, the, so Paul is saying that, look, issues happen and issues arise and troubles come. And sometimes they feel so overwhelming that you feel like you're drowning in the midst of, of nothing. But Christ is there to overflow the same comfort that you need to provide, that you need provided. Do you guys follow me? A little bit? Say sealed. Jump to verse 21. Now it is God who makes us both what? Sorry. And now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Say stand firm. Who makes you stand firm? Liz makes you stand firm. Pastor Frank makes you stand firm. Your parents' faith makes you stand firm. Your, your, the, the cute outfit that you wore to church Friday night, it makes you stand firm. No. Who makes you stand firm? In Jesus Christ. He anointed us. Say anointed. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He did what? What did he do? What was the first thing he did? He anointed. What is anoint, or, or what do you think was, was anointing back then? The oil. Was it a little bit of oil? 
When David was anointed, how, how did he finish? Soaked. It, the oil was so heavy, he had to, like, monster his way out. Yes, baby, he did. The oil was just all over him. It was a sign. It was, it was a way of everyone knowing, wow, this guy, something just happened in his life. God just sealed him with something. You've been anointed. You've been anointed by God. You carry in the spirit a weight of the heavens that when you walk around, maybe people don't see it, but the enemy sees that God has placed something special upon you and that you no longer are the same, that God has called you out to do something different. Anointing is something that is visible in all worlds. He set the seal of ownership. You might be wandering and confused and, and, and hurt in life, but once you've accepted Christ, he's like, I'm going to stamp you like that poor cow that's trying to run away to the next farm. It's like it doesn't matter what farm he goes to. It doesn't matter if he starts off in Kansas and winds up in Canada. He is going to always carry the seal of this owner. And it doesn't matter where he gets lost. If the owner comes and said, look, that's my seal, it is his, own, it is his right to take it back. When you walk around with the seal of God, when you walk around into darkness or when you get lost because you haven't found your way because maybe you messed up because maybe life has been so hard at you, you're actually sad and, and you want to walk away from, from the land that God has given you. God says, wait, that's my seal. That's my sheep. That is my ownership. I paid a price. I anointed that person. I, I shed the blood of my son for that person. You automatically, there's nowhere to hide. We always think that, that, that we're, we're running, we always think that we're not worthy, but God says, you got access in. You ever been to a, um, an all-access resort, all-inclusive? They give you like a band. You could do whatever you want, right? you just like, whoop. You ever been to Six Flags and you got like a flash pass? Yeah. All right. <laughs> more, more relatable, <laughs> Right? You just, you just show it, right? And you're like, bam, I'm here. I got access. And everybody else, like little old me, is waiting on the line patiently to get on Nitro, front row. Fun pass people come in, and I got to wait for more, for more rides, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? You're sealed. You've been anointed, and you've been sealed. And he put his spirit in your heart as a deposit. Where did he put it? In your heart. What, what runs in our heart, guys? Your emotions. So if we go full circle, Liz, I'm going through depression. Liz, I'm going through anxiety. Liz, I want to hurt myself. Liz, I want to do this. Liz, I just can't take it. You have been anointed. You have been sealed. And you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit to help you overcome whatever emotion you're dealing with at the moment. Come pray for me. Come hold me. Come heal me. Come change me. It's not about Liz. It's actually not about any person in leadership that can come and place a hand over you. It's what relationship with God we have that gives us access to that freedom. It's the relationship that we have with God that allows Liz to come and testify to somebody else. I've overcome and I've controlled it. You know how many times I had counseling with, with, with some of my young kids? Pray about it. Let's do this. Let's do that. We come up with this like strategy. We come up with all these things. And my kids leave just as sad. And, I, and, you know, a lot of times I was really frustrated. And I was like, gosh, you know, you know how, many, you know how much money I spent on Starbucks? I should own stock. 
this is why, because there's a Starbucks like three blocks away from my house. <laughs> so it's like, hey, you want to meet at Starbucks? And they're like, yeah, which one? And then I'm like, we'll meet there. And then I'm like, oh, I got it. Let's talk. What's going on? Oh, my life is so miserable. It's okay. Here, have a latte. What do you want? I want a frappuccino grande, please. Oh, no. Okay. What do you want? I would like a venti. But okay. Your life is in shams, but you know to order the most expensive Starbucks on the menu, right? So it's like, Liz, I'm going through this. And then, but you know what? I started thinking about it the other day. And sometimes we take on our issues the way we take on the natural. I'll explain to you. Allow me to elaborate. I don't like confrontation. I hate it. So if you A, piss me off, or B, do something wrong, I will either A, ignore you, or B, give you the silent treatment, which in the end is the same thing. It's the same thing. But I can intentionally like see you and walk the other way and that's ignoring you. And I can see you and give you the silent treatment and not make you feel like I'm mad at you. Right? Like, and I can just, I can be in the same room with you and never address you. And I can carry this on for months, actually. I'm pretty good at it. Um, it's, not a good, it's not a thing to boast about. It's a very bad thing. But that's my, I don't like confrontation. I don't like telling you, you know what? You really hurt my feelings. I didn't like the way you treated me. Uh, you let me down, blah, 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 blah. I have friends that will come up to me and say, are you mad at me? And then I'm like, what makes you think that? Well, you haven't talked to me in like three days. I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Are you mad at me? <laughs> I'm like, no. And Okay, maybe I'm really pissed off at you. And then I, I like blow up. Yeah, like I go from zero to ten. If not, ask Kenneth. It took me a while to be able to tell him, like, you made me mad without being upset. But I also not just in like the silent treatment, but I've also put myself in this isolation of never asking God for more than what is in the moment. Okay, so if I'm going through something, <laughs> I am like that punching bag. You guys ever seen those little dummies that like you hit and then it like falls all the way back and then it bounces up and then it falls all the way, it's usually like air and then there's like something weighted on the bottom. That's how I used to do life, <laughs> right? Okay, the point is I am the punching bag and life is what's punching me. Do you guys get it? And a lot of the times, I just felt like that's life. You got to deal with it. So what? People are in worse situations. You don't have a reason to cry about it. Other people are suffering harder. Other people are going through different things. And I was just numb about what would happen in life. And then you start to think about, like, well, why? That's dumb, right? Like, doesn't the Bible say you, you don't have because you, you don't ask? Doesn't it say pray without ceasing, in all things ask, right? In all things be grateful. But it's just like I know the verses, I know where to tell, so I know to have a counseling session with a Starbucks and open my Bible exactly to know what you hear. But when it came time for me and to apply it to my situation, I didn't know how to do it. And when I thought about it, it was just really that's how I was raised. My parents were divorced. My dad couldn't provide even if he wanted to. I remember when I was little and, and he remarried, he had a phase in his life where he couldn't even provide for his new wife and his son. And I remember being 10, 11, 12, and having conversations with an adult, with my father, about the hardships that he was going through because he just needed to vent. And I would just sit there and feel really bad for him because he didn't know how to, how to pay rent the next month or how to buy food for that week. I'm talking about real issues. So I knew never to ask my dad for anything. I knew that when my dad picked me up, when birthdays came around, my Christmas came around, I was just excited to spend time with him. I never dared to ask for anything else. And not because my father would never give it to me, because I knew he wanted to give it to me. He just didn't have the ability to do it. And then if it came to my mom, my mom was a single mom raising two kids. She worked really hard Monday through Saturday. 
all the time. And sometimes she was too tired to come to church, but she still got up and rubbed her eyes and made it here and, and, and had an awesome service. So when we were taken to McDonald's, it was like a big deal. Like, wow, my mom must have done an extra overtime this month or something. Because a Happy Meal really made us happy. It was a big deal. We never had that. You know, my mother saved. I remember taking vacation with my mom. I'm sorry, vacation in the summer without her. Because there was just enough money to provide to send us away. Or she had to work. And so it was like, well, give them a childhood or take vacation. I'll give my kids a childhood. So I was aware, I was slightly aware of really what was going on, but I knew better than to ask for more. Do you guys follow me? So now I'm in my adulthood. Now I'm experiencing my own relationship with Christ. And it's like God the Father, he's not God the Father that sits on the throne. He's God the Father that I don't dare to ask anything for. Because I'm afraid that I might be taking something that doesn't belong to me or something that he just can't give me. And if it's God the Father as I see my mom, I just don't want to push my luck because I know how hard he's working to fix other people's lives. Do you guys follow me? But that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve is abundant. The God that we serve holds the universe in his hands. The God that we serve has anointed me, has sealed me, and has placed his spirit inside my heart to change my surroundings. The problem is I just sat there and I froze and I was numb. So when things did come my way, like depression, like sadness, like anxiety, it wasn't that I gave into it. I never, I never really, you can't say I walked around like gloomy, but I did have moments where I really did feel alone. Well, I really did feel lost, where I really did feel like I was a failure. Like, how could I be going through this same sin again? How could I be going through the same process again? How could I be going through the same issue again? Why is my family not overcoming? Why is my family hurting? Why is my family struggling? When is enough enough? How long do you have to sacrifice to see change happen? And it's not that God is not accessible to the change. It's that I just sat there and I did nothing. The, the things, the power that is within you, the power that is within me is the ability to change my surroundings and to be a witness to someone else. So what was, what was I telling people? It was, I just was a Christian on Sundays. There's nothing wrong with that. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't doing anything bad. But I also wasn't experiencing a powerful God that could change and transform people in my Starbucks sessions with my venti frappuccinos and so much sugar that I'm surprised they didn't catch something else. <laughs> and isn't that the way we treat life? We don't get very far. We don't see a change. When is my family getting saved? When is my mom being healed? When is, right? When is, when is, when is? But it's not about the service that you do here and it's not about the word that you receive. It's about what you've been activating that's already placed in you. You have the ability to change. It doesn't mean it's easy, and it doesn't mean it happens overnight. It just means that you have to start to practice what's naturally been placed in you. How do you learn to ride a bike? You get on it, and you fall. You get back on it, and you fall. Some people don't put training wheels. Stephen got his daughter a bike that has just two wheels, a little wooden bike. It's a little balance bike. It's pretty cool. I want to get one for Benji one day. But there are, there's, the point is you get hurt in the process. Does it stop anyone from learning how to ride a bike? Anybody ever been on a, um, a roller coaster? 
and fear for your life the very first time you rode on it? I almost passed out too. I will tell you, King Dakar is something I will not do again. I conquered. Oh, I love El Toro. I am on El Toro, and I am pleading the blood of Christ every second of that ride. But I love it. I live for it. There's nothing greater than your stomach going from here to here. Okay? It's the greatest feeling ever. But my hands-down favorite ride is Nitro. Might not be yours, but it is mine. And if I am on the first row, as it gets dark and there's no more sun, and you feel that cold wind hit your face, the adrenaline just goes from zero to 100, and it's life. <laughs> And then I remember that I'm getting older, and it's just not as fun the older I get. And now I'm like, I'm married. I don't want to leave my husband a widow. <laughs> and now, well, actually, I haven't gone back since I've been pregnant because I feel like I've been pregnant forever. But the point is now I have kids, right? And I'm like, oh, my children. I don't want to do. I did the J.P. Morgan Challenge two weeks ago, walked Central Park 3.5 miles, took the wind out of me. <laughs> I kid you not, I had a good time, but I was like, don't have a bomb, don't have a bomb, don't have a bomb. I was walking the park. I'm like, can I run this way? I can't really run. Can I go that way? I can't. Where is my exit? Where am I? Is it going to be dark by the time I leave the park? Like, you j your mindset changes, right? When you, you just, you're just different. Had this been like five years ago, we'd be like, yo, where are we going? Where are we hanging out after the park? Now I'm like, I got to get home. I have two kids. I got to get home. I have two kids. I, you know? This guy was taking pictures of us. He's like, come on, you're almost at the finish line. I was like, I'm pregnant. You do this at the finish line, okay? <laughs> it was like, but your, your, your point changes, your perspective changes. And it's the same concept. You get with God and it's your first time on the roller coaster. Life is around you and it knocks you out in the wind and you're just there and you're like, what was going on? But the point is the angels got your back. And that first time you overcome and that first time that you can see the movement of God in your life, that first touch that you have with the Holy Spirit where you know it wasn't the, the sweet sense of worship, but it really was the sweet aroma of God in your life, there's nothing that changes that. No one can take that away from you. No one can steal what you and the Holy Spirit are genuinely having at that moment. And the best part is that it always gets better because you've been anointed, you've been sealed, and you've been placed in your heart the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit to transform your mind. So it's about saying, it's not about saying I can't I can't do it anymore. I'm scared. There's no more. It's about saying, how do I overcome? It's about saying, what are, you, what, am, what are you teaching me, God? Not why me, God, but what are you showing me, God? Not poor me, God, but how do I use this, God, to, to help somebody else? Not, oh, when is this going to end, God, but when, where's my victory, God? And you begin to change your vocabulary and your perspective on life. Does that make sense?